Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. My name is not Pastor Tim. Okay. I'm Matt. Just in case I hadn't got a chance to meet you, Pastor Tim is sick today. So we need to pray for him. Uh, he's, he's been sick over the weekend. And so I got the call yesterday. He's like, you're in. I was like, all right, man, I'll, I'll, I'll do the best I can. But so I won't be preaching on necessarily on marriage today, but, but we're going to jump right into Colossians chapter three. Um, one other thing, uh, of course, I was yesterday I was going through this whole process of what am I going to be preaching? All of a sudden, I started feeling bad, and I was like, what if I'm sick tomorrow? You know, Pastor Tim's can't do it. I can't do it. I was like, we'd have to call Warren at the last second, and he'd have to pull out his bullet and do his thing like Barney Fife, man. He'd have to, he'd have to, he'd have to work, work it. So, uh, but anyway, um, this tells you how I'm feeling this morning. I'm on Dayquil and Pepto-Bismol. So I don't know what that, I don't know what that's going to do to me this morning. I may say, I may say something crazy. Who knows? Um, one other thing right now around the world, we have somebody alive with us on Skype and it's Melissa Smith. She's watching the service right now. So let's, let's give a shout out to Melissa Smith. Everybody give it up for her. Say hi. She's so she's in South Asia right at this moment. So what time is it there? It's like 9 p.m. or something like that in South Asia. So, um, so Melissa, we love you. Thank you so much for watching this morning. Um, let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, we'll look at, we're going to look at most of, or about half of the chapter this morning. But first off, I want to kind of tell you a, a story uh, just to start off. Um, when I was in seventh grade, seventh grade, I wasn't quite the the athletic stud that you see here today, okay? I don't know why that's funny to some of you, but uh, I, uh, I had big hair, big head, um, glasses, braces. I was really smart. I was really skinny. That was me in seventh grade. But I wasn't very good at very many athletic things or many things at all, but there's one thing that I thought I was really good at, and that's throwing a Frisbee and catching a Frisbee. I could do that, man, and I can still do that. I love, I love tossing a Frisbee, playing ultimate Frisbee, all those kind of things. So I'm all about that kind of stuff. In seventh grade, we went out to recess, and back then we still had recess at seventh and eighth grade. Is Mississippi. We did recess all the time. It's like, you know, who cares about reading and shoes? You know, it's like, it's Mississippi. But uh, so we're out on recess, and we're throwing one of those ring-style Frisbees, okay? So those things you can, you can, you can throw a mile. So we were out there on the, on the playground, and we were throwing that thing, and one of my buddies just, just chunked it across the field. And so I started just booking it across the field, just running as hard and as fast as I could towards that Frisbee and thinking, man, I'm going to catch this thing. It's going to be the most epic, most awesome catch in the world, and I'm just, just getting it across the field. And I had my eyes directly on that thing. And then something happened. And I don't remember a lot about it, but I do remember there was a pole. There was a pole in my way that I didn't see. And I hit that pole. I hit that pole so hard that it knocked me out and it knocked me back about 15 feet. And when I, wo when I woke up, all my friends were standing over me going, dude, oh my goodness. And I'm like, ah, oh. I hit it so hard. I hit it directly center. My face hit it right here, so it just destroyed my glasses. So I hit my face right here, and I busted up like my chest and this and my left leg. So I hit it just dead on. 
Not one of my friends said, watch out. They were probably looking at each other going, watch this. <laughs> and, but that, that day, you know, I went back like a couple years later and when I was a little taller and everything and I'd gotten out of that school, but I went back to that pole and I looked at that pole, and right there in the center of that pole is a dent about that big where my glasses, the corner of my glasses, hit that pole. So even to this day, there's, there's still a dent there. But there's something about that, uh, that day. And that's when I realized it's really important to look in the right direction. It's really important to look in the right direction. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is looking in the right direction, asking the question, what are, what are you looking at? What is your, the focus of your life set on? So let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. We'll read those verses, and then we'll kind of, kind of talk about them, then walk on to the rest of the passage. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ... Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory." Uh, this is one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. I love what Paul does here. I love the book of Colossians. I love how he just sets it up for, for chapter 3 and just this, this beautiful chapter. But it starts off, and he says this, since you have been raised to new life. Since you've been raised to new life. What is this new life this verse is talking about? He kind of lays it out here in these first four verses. And it's kind of interesting, if you look through this entire chapter, there's about eight to ten times it talks about life and your lives and being filled with Christ through your life. And he, he keeps coming back to that same thing. But he starts off this chapter saying, since you've been raised to new life, what does this new life tell about, t- talk to us about? It's the idea of going from death to life. So a, a, a spiritually dead person comes to alive in Christ. It's that idea of new life. It's it's a completely separate life from the old life. If you keep on reading down, it says in verse number three, for you died to this life. You died to the present life that you have. You died to it because of Christ. He's raised you to this new life. It's It's a completely new life. It's considered our real or our actual life. If you look in verse number four, it says when uh, verse number three, it says, your real life is hidden with Christ in, in God. It's our actual life. This spiritual life, this, this life that, that Jesus has instituted, this life that Jesus has breathed into, this, this dead man's body, this dead man's soul, this dead woman's soul, he's breathed life into this person in, in the form of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit into your life, this forgiveness of sins, and it has created new life in you, and it's considered our actual, our real life. It's also the life that is hidden with Christ in God. So this is the life when people see you, they see who God is. So when they look at you, they're seeing a form, a representation of who Christ is in their life. That's the new life that that we are living. It's the one that's defined by Christ-centeredness. He says in verse number four, and when Christ, who is your life, 
Christ who is your life. It's not the church who is your life. It's not your family who is your life. It's not your job that is your life. It's Christ who is your life. So if you're a follower of Jesus in this room this morning, this is the new life that you have in Christ. It's the new life that you have in Christ. But there is an expectation that comes with this new life. So many times, you know, Christians, and, I, and I've been in this, this mode also in my life of, of where you just kind of float by, you just kind of coast. You know, Jesus has done this work. He's forgiven me of my sins. I'm going to heaven when I die. And now I can just live my own, my own existence, my own life. But the truth is there's an expectation that comes with this new life. And you see it there in verse number one. He says this, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Since this has happened, then do this. Since this has happened, do this. Since Christ has raised us to new life, we're supposed to set our sights on something that is greater than us, something that, that has a purpose for our life, something that, that God is doing in this world. We're supposed to set our sights on the realities of heaven. We're supposed to set our sights on what, what God is doing. I started thinking about this, this phrase, set your sights, and, and I started looking up um, people who, like horses and things like that. Does anybody in this room ride horses? You're a horse rider. Few people. I kind of learned some things about horses. Have you ever seen those, those things on the side of their face? Like it kind of covers up, what are those called? Blinders, okay. I was like, whoever thought of blinders in the first place? I mean, who's the first person that ever thought of that? I mean, whoever thought, man, I'm, I got this horse, I'm going to try to get it go in the right direction. Instead of using just the reins, I'm going to stick leather on the side of their face and try to get them in the go, to go in the right direction. Well, I found the story. It was actually a pastor. Um, a pastor came up with this idea because he had a, a bet with one of his buddies that the pastor, the pastor said, I bet I can get this horse, my horse, up my stairs at my house. And the guy's like, there's no way that's going to happen. So the pastor's like, watch me. So he takes the horse and he marches that horse right up the stairs. The horse just walked right on up. And he's, the horse is standing there at the top of the stairs. And then he tries to get the horse to come down the stairs. Well, the horse wouldn't come down the stairs. He'd go up the stairs all day long, but he wouldn't come down. And the pastor's like, I've got to get this horse out of my bedroom. You know, I've got to get him out from, from upstairs. So he came up with the idea. He's like, if I, I'll just throw a blanket over his head so he can't see as good. And what happened? The horse marched right down the stairs. And he figured, man, he finally came up with the idea. So if I can cover up part or all of its vision, then that horse will do something that it normally wouldn't do. Okay, did you catch that? If I could, if I could cover up part of this horse's vision, it would get the courage and the, and the trust to do something he normally wouldn't do. The preacher put a cover over the horse's, out, horse's eyes so he'd quit looking at what was under his feet. This gave him the focus and the courage to do what he normally wouldn't do. And many people in this room are so focused on what's under your feet that you are standing at the top of the stairs paralyzed with fear. And God hasn't called us to be paralyzed by fear. 
but to be empowered by faith. Many are so focused on what's under your feet that you're standing at the top of the stairs paralyzed with fear. Your life is in a tailspin. Your marriage is miserable. Your future seems hopeless. You're a slave to addiction, and your spiritual life is just in a rut. God hasn't called us to that kind of life. He's he's called us to be empowered by faith. So look up, set your sights in the right direction, and do what you normally wouldn't do. See what he sees for your life. Go in the direction that he has for your life. Be part of the purpose that he has for your life. Because what you set your sights on determines your direction. What you set your sights on determines your direction. What direction are we talking about? Where where are we supposed to go? What what sights are we supposed to hold on to? What are we supposed to focus on? In, in verse number four, it kind of says this. In, in, in verse number one, it says, set your sights on the reality of, of heaven where, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then it talks about in verse number four, it says, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world. And I, and I started thinking about that, and I was like, how, how, is, how is God going to reveal Christ to the entire world? What kind of plan does he have? What kind of strategy does, does God have to to reveal Christ to the entire world. And the plan that he has is, is, is you and me. We are his followers. We are his disciples. We are the ones with new life in us. We are the ones that, that have made Christ our life. And, and the ver- verse number four says that he will reveal Christ to the world. And there's a direct line here. You can even mark it in your Bible like this. Make a line from verse number 4 to verse number 16. And we'll kind of fill in the blanks here in a second. But it's this idea, he says in verse number 16, he says, Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. A lot of people uh, come to church with this mentality of, Man, I need to go to church to fill up and get ready for the week. You know, fill up. And do my devotion so I can fill up. And the Bible says here, let your lives be filled up. But he keeps on going. And we're pretty good at just coming to church and, and trying to fill up on Christ for, for the week. But he keeps on going. He says, let your life be filled up with Christ. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. So stop right there. We've got a number of teachers in this room. We've got a number of Sunday school teachers and small group leaders and, and on and on, disciple makers. We're, we're teaching somebody. We've got pastors and things like that. We're teaching and we're counseling and, and we're going through this process with people. And so we've got, we've got that part down many times. And it's, then it says, sing uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. We do that. We just did that. We just went through a worship set where we, as a congregation, sang songs of praise to God and hymns to him. But look what it says in verse number 17. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Now, that's where, that's where we want to just drop off. It's really easy to come to church and fill up. It's really easy to, to sit under teaching or even be a teacher and, and to present material, curriculum, Whatever. It's really easy to sing and let our voices be heard. Even, even if it's awful, it's, it's, it's still out there. We're still doing what the Bible says. But when it says, whatever you do and whatever you say, do it as a representative, as a reflection of 
Jesus. So the, the times that, that you're at your house talking to your kids, the things that you say, you, you're a representative of Jesus Christ. The way that you talk to your friends at school or the coworker, your coworkers at work, and the way that you say things is a representative of, of Jesus. The places you go, the things that you do, representative of Christ. So what are we supposed to keep our focus on? Our focus is this, to reveal Christ to the world. What you set your sights on will determine your direction. So when we set our sights on something that's much bigger than us, this purpose that God has in the world, it will determine our direction. It will determine our direction as a church. It will determine our direction as a, as a family, as an individual, as, a, as a, a, a worker at Walmart. It doesn't matter. It determines our direction. So living for God is the most exciting adventure the world has to offer. Seeing lives change, being part of something bigger than yourself, being a partner in seeing spiritually dead people come to life, there's nothing that can compare to that. But the problem is, is so many people say, I'm not getting that kind of excitement in my life. I don't see that kind of life being the most exciting adventure that the world has to offer. It's because our sights are set on something other than what Christ has for us. You see, if we set our sights on, on, on this idea that Christ is to be revealed in every corner and every nook and cranny of the entire world, and we're part of that, then life becomes this adventure of, of trying to fulfill that mission and trying to fulfill that purpose with every single area of our life. But Satan has tricked us. Satan has tricked us into thinking that the distraction is the right direction, and the right direction is the distraction. He's tricked us into thinking that, that this thing that he dangles out there, this, this veer off of our path, this, this affair, this job opportunity, this, this thing is so much more exciting and so much better for us than what God has when it's the total opposite. He's tricked us. We live in a world full of distractions. And as I was looking through this passage, um, preparing for today, I saw two kinds of distractions. Once you look at verse number five, verse number five, there's two distractions here. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. So we have the, the sinful distractions. And some of you uh, listen to the sound of my voice today you may be able to, to put yourself in one of these categories or a category that's not even in this list of things that Paul lays out. Paul's really good about lists. He, he loves lists, and he lays out this list. He says, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of, the, of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Verse number seven, he, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Verse number eight, but now. Okay, stop right there. I love this because Paul interjects a reminder of where he just came from right in the middle is the list of sinful distractions, things that Satan dangles in our face. He says, As a, in your old life, you did these things. 
it was just part of your life. It, it was the thing that you did because you were, you were a sinner. You were unforgiven sinner. But now, understanding that now you have a new life. Now it's time. Now it's time to put those things to death. And sometimes you have to put those things to death every week. And lust comes popping up in your mind again. You have to put a gun to its head and, and kill it again. Anybody been there? You had sin that pops up, this distraction, Satan dangles this distraction your way, and you, you just follow it just like you, you have so many times before, and you have to put a gun to it and, and kill it again. And he says, you used to do these things in your old life, but now it's a new life. He keeps on going. He says, but now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. You've stripped off, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on the new nature. So he reminds us again. And that's kind of the point. That's kind of the place that we have to be as Christians to be reminded over and over again that, yes, Christ has brought new life to us. And it's a new form of life. It's a whole new life. Before I was dead, but now I'm alive in Christ. He reminds us again. So those are the sinful distractions. And really, that list is not exhaustive. You know that. And you know what your sin is. And you know the things that you deal with. And you know what distracts you the most. It probably popped up in your head as I was reading that list. That's me. That's me. That's me. And then uh, another category, I was, like, I was looking for other categories here. So you have the sinful distractions, the sinful ones, and the second one is verse number 11. It's the ones that don't matter. Okay, these aren't sinful. They're not good, bad, indifferent. They're just, they just don't matter. And how many things in our life distract us that just don't matter? You know, Facebook, Twitter, you know, ball games. All kinds of stuff distract us and pull us away from the purpose that God has for us. And this is the list that he gives. I love, I love Paul. He keeps on going. He says in verse number 10, he says, Put on new nature, be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. You could add, it doesn't matter if you're white or black. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter if you're American or Syrian. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whatever list you think, whatever background that you have, if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter which side of the tracks you came from. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of religious background you have. It doesn't matter what kind of identity you identify with. It doesn't matter. Christ is all that matters. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. And if you follow Christ, you follow Christ. And I think that's the problem with, uh, with the church today. We get so tied up in these identities and these backgrounds that we forget that Jesus is the thing that matters. Jesus is the person that matters, and Jesus is the one that we follow. If you follow Christ, you do things you normally wouldn't do. But holding on to anything else creates a life that is devoid of Christ-likeness. In other words, it's full of distractions. 
What if a church came together with a complete focus and the sights set on Christ revealed to the world? How would it change our church? How would it change our families? How would it change our marriages? How would it change our community? If, if dads said, you know what, I know my, my, my marriage right now is, is not, my family's not what it should be, but for me, I'm gonna set my sights on Christ. And by setting your sights on Christ, you do things you normally wouldn't do, like loving your wife like Christ loved the church. And that's the point. Because when Jesus enters this situation, when he begins to work in your life, when you begin to understand that I have a new life in Christ, this isn't just a, a band-aid to my old life. This is a brand new life. And it's a life with Christ. And it's not a life for myself. It's a life that is supposed to reveal Christ to the world. But what you see is up to you. What you see is up to you. If you see that your life is to be part of revealing Christ to the world, then your direction will be determined. Your direction will be determined. Your family life will look different. Your marriage has a goal. Your job has a different perspective. Your placement in your neighborhood has a purpose. Everything goes in that direction. When you understand that your life is to reveal Christ to the world, everything fits into that. Everything is determined. But if you see a life that's all about you, then you will follow after every distraction Satan dangles in front of you. And your spiritual life will be in a constant state of paralysis. It's that horse illustration all over again. You get to the top of the stairs and God asks you to step off. Be a, be a better dad. Be a better neighbor. Be a better worker. Be a better Christian. And he's asking you to step off, but you just can't because you don't know what's next. You don't know. you got all these distractions. You're looking at the, the circumstances under your feet, and you're afraid to step off. And your life is in a constant state of paralysis because Satan dangles this distraction. He's like, chase this money. Chase this relationship. Chase this thing. I promise you, it's better than what God could ever give to you. I promise you, it's better than, better than if you do that. I promise you, just follow it. Just follow it for a little while. I'll let you go. Follow this addiction. It's okay. I've, I, it's, it's, it's not going to be that bad for you. It's actually going to be good for you. Follow it. And you get terrified of what, doing what God wants you to do. So you just stay where you are. You stay where you are. If you just put on the blinders. Put on the blinders. Christ will become all that matters. And your life lifting up his name, his name, to everyone you come in contact with. Then the distractions won't distract you. The problems under your feet won't paralyze you. And your direction will be determined. Determined. So what distractions do you need to get rid of today? What are some of, some of the ones that he says in the passage, he says um, you need to get rid of or the things that you need to, to kill? What are the ones that you need to, to take out of your life? Because the thing is, is we all have them. We all have the things that drive us away, pull us away. See, God has called us as, as followers, as disciples. He's called us all. 
to a whole different life. It's not just a sidestep to the old life that you had. It's, you went from death, from death to life. Death to life. Do you realize how drastic of a difference that is? Dead man, alive again in Christ. So today, as, as followers of Christ, I'm challenging us, I'm challenging myself to set our sights on something much greater than what's under our feet. Set our sights on what Christ has, has put out there, this purpose of our life, of to reveal him to the world. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. You know, I, I speak of, I, I speak this idea of, of death and life. And I know in a room this size this morning that, you know, there may be a number of people that, you know, made a decision for Christ or prayed at an altar or was even baptized. But you've never gone from death to life. Death to life. So what I'm asking you to do this morning is to examine, examine your heart right where you are. Examine your heart. Do you know that you know that you've gone from death to life? And follow it. Believer. Christian. What are your sights set on? Is it just to make money? Is it just to get power? Is it just to, you know follow that relationship? Is it to, to follow that dangly little thing that, that, that Satan is, is, has out there for you? Or is your family and your job and your school and your career and your neighborhood is it about revealing Christ to the world? We have a new life. Let's live it. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. We pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to understand that this is a new life in Christ, and it is a good life. It is a life that is the the biggest adventure that the world could ever offer because we get to be part of bringing people from death to life. So as we look at our marriages and we look at our relationships with our kids and we look at our jobs, Lord, help us to have a whole different perspective. Help us to see the world through your eyes. Help us to to not focus so much on the things that are under our feet, but do the things that we normally wouldn't do. We'd step out and seek your face and lift your name high. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.